My name is Stephen Moore and I'm the presenter of the Your Law Firm Success podcast. This podcast explores the routes to law firm success. We chat to those who have done it, those who are doing it, and those who help law firms do it. This podcast is brought to you by MLT Digital, the leaders in law firm success. So in today's edition of the Your Law Firm Success podcast, we are talking to Stephen Gold. Stephen Gold was probably one of the most successful lawyers that I know. Stephen covers the reasons for his law firm success, as well as sharing some stories and ideas around his work subsequent to that, in which he works with law firms all over the UK, helping them to become more successful. So Stephen, nice to see you. Thank you for coming on today. Um, It's a pleasure. As you know, this is a podcast about your law firm success and you achieved that both as a lawyer and you've also helped many firms achieve law firm success in your in the role that you perform now as a as a law firm as a consultant to lawyers um i was hoping that what we could do before going into that and what you see as being the pillars of success is if we could have a chat about your history i know it might seem prehistoric now or maybe it's like looking in the past but i'm it's sure it's well before pre as well before prehistoric. Um, to talk a bit about your past, because you'll be suitable, ba- suitably bashful, I imagine, in terms of what you actually did achieve, but what you did achieve was fairly remarkable. And the name of your firm and your name became uh, very, very strongly related with, to a certain extent, disruption, but innovation and growth and sales and strategy. So perhaps we could start on that, Stephen, with a, a brief history with a brief history. All right. Um, well, I, I, I trained in Glasgow. I became a partner in a firm in Glasgow. Uh, and then I decided to set up on my own. And in the middle of the plans for doing that, I got diagnosed with cancer and I was off the road for about a year, which was uh, an interesting experience. Put it, I'll put it that. Not, not one I'm over keen to repeat, but um, a, an interesting experience. And my and we we opened uh, in a small office on the southwest of Glasgow. Uh, me, my wife, my mother-in-law, who was a trained bookkeeper doing our books, and one secretary. So that was that that was that, that was the empire. Um, and my idea at the time was to have a family law firm. You know, to have a a high street family law firm. That was my. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even dignify it with the word vision. That was my intent. That was my intention, um, and we did well. Actually, uh, you know, that we did. We 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 prospered, um, and we began to get work. You know, well out with our our own geographical area, um, and then um, I acquired uh, a remarkably gifted guy called Jonathan Edwards as a partner who be, who is who became and still is my best friend. Um, and among Jonathan's many skills is he is an absolute uh, genius at uh, the application of IT. And it was his his vision, not mine to begin with, to apply IT to legal services and to look at how legal services could be uh, commoditized to a degree, how processes could be standardized, how we could reduce cost. Um, and it just coincided 
with a moment in time where uh, large finance institutions, banks, building societies, um, and other uh, and other finance houses began to look really closely at how they delivered uh, the, their their products and services to their customers and how they used lawyers in relation to that. So. If you take, for example, something which was an important service for us, remortgage, where in the old days, um, if you wanted to transfer your mortgage from lender A to lender B, then your solicitor was usually on the panel of the new lender. Uh, so his, so your solicitor acted for the lender. That was fine, but from the from your point of view. And but but from the lenders' point of view, it wasn't fine because they had almost no control on the quality of the service that you delivered, how quick it was, what price you charged, the consistency of quality, um, and so they began to develop uh, a strategy of saying to a small number of law firms, if you have got the capability to handle this, then we will give you tens of thousands of cases to handle. We will use the legal service as a sales aid in our product. We will say to, we will say to our, our uh, customer base, uh, we will, you, if you take your mortgage with us, we will uh, give you the legal fees for nothing. We'll give you the legal service for nothing to get that done. But, the, but a condition of that is you have to use our appointed, our appointed firms. And Originally, that was very big in England, uh, and the breakthrough for us came when, you know, we, uh, thanks, you know, largely to Jonathan, we developed uh, the ability to 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 provide that service, and I then made the links with the law firms in England who were already, you know, substantial in this market, and said to them, "Why don't you use us as your Scottish end?" Um, and it kind of grew from there, uh, and you know, to cut a very long story short, uh, we became the market leaders in Scotland on the back of, uh, over a period of you know a small period of number of years, and uh, it, and we developed a range of services on in retail finance and commercial finance and insurance and debt recovery and uh, a number of other things, and, it was, and in the end, it wasn't just banks and building societies and, and similar, it was large consumer organizations who were offering products to their customers and wanted a similar uh, service where they could have a, a service level agreement with a firm to deliver a service at a certain price. Um, I should be candid and say that we made one big mistake um, in what was a very successful ride overall, which was we tried to apply the same principles to conveyancing, and we came a cropper on that. It just didn't. It just didn't uh, fit. It's far too individual a service, and the and trying to impose systems and processes on it. Yes, there are aspects of the process which you can definitely make more efficient, but overall, everybody is different. Uh, there's no, there's little, there's little uniformity between one client and another, and that 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 didn't go well, and we um, and we came out of that. We learned, you know, we learned our lesson. We came out of it. And that's what happens when you're trying to do new things. Sometimes you succeed, and sometimes you fail. But the but the the growth really happened 
when we we got we got to a point where the technology side of the business was going incredibly well, and alongside that, we had a conventional business of um, of private client, of some commercial, of uh, property work, um, and it was clear that while we had the opportunity to have market leadership and you know really big expansion in all the the technology and commoditized uh, technology led and commoditized work um we were never going to be anything more than second or third division in the other stuff and it was taking a lot of resource um which could have been applied to the to the to to the first part of the, the what had become the larger part of the business and so we took a very deep breath and got rid of all the convention, what I would call the conventional work, uh, which was a, you know, a painful and difficult process because you know you make relationships with people and, and there were quite a number of businesses we acted for for a long time that a lot of work for who were we didn't, we were we were upset to lose them and they were very upset that we would that we made this decision but we looked after them uh, and it was a hundred percent the right decision. Uh, because it, because it allowed us to focus on what we were really good at, and it, and it freed up capital to allow us to invest in technology and systems and people. Yeah. Um, and I think the business quite in one sort of mad period, the business uh, more than trebled in a small number of years. Uh, we just got caught the wind uh, of what was happening in the marketplace. Um, and so one thing I always say to I always say to my clients when I'm consulting with them and we're looking at creating successful strategies for them um, is to really ask yourself the question, what market do you want to be in? Um, the, it's, it's, it's always said, and I think it's true, that there are, there are two main strategic questions always. Where do we play and how do we win? Where do we play? What markets do we want to be in? That can be by uh, by subject, by geography, by on a, on a whole number of criteria. But to be really clear, who your ideal clients are, who is it you want to serve? There are a lot of firms who do work because quotes it keeps the lights on, uh, and ultimately it doesn't keep the lights on. It just results in the lights burning dimmer and dimmer and a more dilapidated building. You know, and if you, and if you and if you if you if you look at if you look at the success of the firms that really made a success from the largest to the most niche, you find they all have this in common. They have been quite clear about who they are and what they want to serve. Okay, so... Um, and it's been, it's been the engine of their success. I was going to ask you about that in that you described the success of gold. Um, was it in retrospect, that you were able to draw that line between the way you'd approach things and success in, in in finding where you play through the experience or the negative experience around also carving off the more traditional aspects of the firm. Well, I, th I think I don't think it's, I don't think it was retrospect. I think you know we we it was it became obvious that the more conventional work was taking time and resource and capital away from the other side of the business which had and was if we'd kept if we tried to keep it going 
where you risk falling between two stools of you know never building a great conventional practice and 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 limiting our potential on the other stuff. Um, and you know we so we took we we took that decision as as I, as I say it was a, it was a hard decision. No, 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 you fight really hard for clients and to to win clients and and we had some very good ones. Um, and nobody likes to give them up, but that that was the. That that was the right decision. I don't think we realised quite how right it was. I suppose that's a, that's an aspect of looking back on it. I don't think uh, you know. Uh, and we, you know, no matter what, we are we are fond of thinking that everything, every piece of success we've gained is to do with our merit and our talent and our hard work. But there's quite a lot of luck in it involved as well. You know, I mean, we actually, you know, this was at a time when. Um, the retail and commercial finance was going through an absolute revolution. It was the madness that ultimately resulted in the crash. Um, and undoubtedly, we got a lot of benefit from that. When you know the banks were banks were lending like uh, like there was no tomorrow. Um, yeah, I remember that, and I remember that period. And your and your role because there's there's a few things that have come out of that. Your role. For the firm at that time, as it was growing, were you doing any legal work? My, my role was no, none. I mean, I I gave up. I gave up doing legal work after Golds lasted uh, about twenty five years from the moment we set up to the moment we merged, and I only did client work for the first two couple of years, I think. After and after that, I just realized I was a lot better at making relationships and winning business. Uh and that's why I enjoyed far more candidly than than doing it. There are I mean I take absolute utmost respect for um people in the profession, which is the majority of them, I guess, who I, who get satisfaction out of out of the the legal work itself. But that that wasn't that that didn't do it for me in the same way that being out in the marketplace and competing and uh, and bringing in the business uh, did it. The second thing that I was going to ask because that's that's been common around the discussions that we've had to date is those who have been successful have been able to separate themselves from the the tools. Not not in all cases, you know, obviously, absolutely, but people recognise their their skill set. The second thing that we talk to firms quite a lot about is understanding which types of work they don't want to have. And as you referred to that earlier as about yeah. keeping the lights on, but actually it just leads to the sort of gradual um, reduction in light or the less likelihood that that's going to continue mm. with, any, with any vigour. So yeah. you mentioned that the... The understanding where you play, where you fit, was extremely important. Is that part of a of a of a broader picture? Because I know you're very strong on two pillars for success for law firms, and obviously all, all we want to do with this podcast is help law firms become more successful. So, yeah, I th- I think I think one thing I one thing I learned I learned early on was that. Whether or not you win work is not is not particularly dependent on you being stellar technically. In the, in the end, clients accept 
as a starting proposition that you know what you're doing. Clients don't. Um, well, let me, let me let me rephrase that. It's vanishingly difficult to win work on the basis of saying that I am the best litigator, or I am the best conveyancer, or I'm the best corporate lawyer, or or whatever. It's impossible to prove it, and as long as you are self-evidently good enough to do the job of the required quality for the client, whether you might be marginally technically better than the firm down the road is not that important. Clients aren't that interested. Clients want to be satisfied that you have the fundamental competence to do the job, but once they are satisfied about that, uh, what counts is two things. One is the, the is the service that you give them, by which I mean how responsive you are, how accessible you are, how likable you are, as a, and easy to get on with. Uh, because what people are looking for most of the time uh, is not only a service but a, but a relationship. They want to feel that you, they have a trusted advisor in their corner. Who is you know is good to talk to is has got a real understanding of what their issues are, is clued up on the on the marketplace that they're in, or the kind of circumstances, or if it's private clients and the kind of circumstances in which they find themselves, whether it's matrimonial, whether it's uh, executory, what, what you know, what, uh, what whatever it is. So s service and relationship um, are the twin pillars on which. Business is one, in my experience. Of course, it matters that you can deliver, that you can, you know, keep your promises technically. Uh, but, and there are a number of them about, you know, lawyers who are technically very good, but lack emotional intelligence or, or, or lack ability to make good relationships, don't prosper to anything like the extent that they should. I think that's part of being, it's part of being in a team. Football, you know, you were talking just before we went on air about you know, taking your son to the football. You know, if, the, if this team comprised eleven centre forwards, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't win many games. No, they cert they certainly wouldn't. You know, and a, a, building a team is extremely important, and understanding the different skills that are there, but understanding the importance of sales. And building relationships for a firm, and if you if yeah. you're not bringing business in, then you're you're not going to get anywhere. No, that's absolutely, I, absolutely. And I think it's sometimes underrated. It's a, it's a it's a, the ability to win work is a different skill. And having done both, because you know I've been a, I was a practitioner for a bit. I think this. I think winning it is a lot harder than doing it. I'm not saying that doing it is easy because you know there's, there's complexity and there's deadlines and there's demanding clients and there's regulation and you know general hassle and aggravation around it, some stress around it quite a lot of the time. So I don't say for a moment this easy. But if you have if you have spent the time acquiring a skill, then to practice that skill is in your comfort zone. Um, and as a practitioner, you know, you in a, in a solicitor client relationship, 
as the solicitor, you have a degree of status and authority. You know, you're the expert. You're deferred to to a degree, um, and you have a technical grasp, so you're able to you know give the advice. If you're pitching for work, you're a supplicant. You have no status, certainly no 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 more than the person you're pitching to wants you know wishes to give you. Um, you can go up or down their agenda at their whim. They can say yes. They can say no for good reason, for poor reasons, for no reason at all. Um, rejection, even for the most successful rainmakers, is a part of life, and that's hard. Um, you know, lawyers are. If you if you scratch the surface of the average solicitor then I think you find somebody who is analytical, uh, suspicious, uh, maybe quite reserved in their dealings a lot of the time, risk-averse, petrified of personal failure. Uh, and these are all fantastic qualities for keeping clients out of trouble and, and solving complex problems. But you probably wouldn't find Richard Branson describing himself that way. You know, they're, 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 not, they're not the skills and qualities required to sell what you're offering. It, it, it's, and, and the personal rejection point, I think, is a really important one. You know, pe people are, are often loath to put themselves out there because of the risk of rejection. I've come, you know, when I've, I've dealt with, you know, it's been a privilege, I've dealt with firms from, worked with firms now, with, from global giants to, you know, to small local practices. And you would be amazed how many people in the global giants who you think would just ooze self-confidence uh, are, you know, very weary of putting themselves in harm's way of, you know, risky, risky I know. So, so it's a it's a it's a big barrier, and you need to and you need you need to be you need to be resilient. But when you are working with firms and you're, as you do a lot, helping them grow, do you raise the issue if you feel that their the partners are maybe not capable of going out and doing this bit of the job? A good number of times I've been asked to. to come in and help with exactly that because you know people know I've got people know that selling has been my background and because I'm a lawyer you know hopefully I talk their language and understand their world and and people have asked me to 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 mentor and to coach and 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 that's a very satisfying part of the job when it goes well um and it's about honesty firms from also you know the culture of many firms doesn't help because you often have firm leaders saying, we want our people to be out there selling and to be, you know, constantly bringing in the, the, the business. But, but often their firms have a culture where if you're not billing, uh, then you're not, you're not contributing. Yeah. Uh, and a, a lot of business development activity is on necessity speculative. So uh, it involves spending time, which otherwise you might have spent 
you know, uh, racking up six million units on meetings and seminars and lunches and, you know, uh, content for the website and, you know, any number of other uh, activities which are essential if you're going to if you're going to sell, but don't always pay off or don't always pay off quickly. And people get very concerned that um, they, you know, and ask themselves the question, you know, I could be sitting, I could be sitting at my desk uh, doing work, which is, you know, uh, which is on my desk, and I get paid for that, and I'm comfortable doing it. If I go out, if I go and pursue a client, then I'm spending time that I, that is not chargeable, that I don't get any credit for if all goes wrong, or if it doesn't, not all goes wrong, but if it doesn't you know, succeed. So, you know, why should I do that? So firm leaders have got, uh, you know, a fundamental obligation to create, a, to create an atmosphere where that, these questions don't get asked, where, where, pe- they're entitled to say to their people, "We expect you to use your time thoughtfully and not to, and and not to pursue, you know, not to go on wild goose chases and not to, not to be profligate with the firm's time and resources." But equally, to make it clear that to that not to succeed when you've made a good faith uh, attempt at what seemed a reasonable pro- a reasonable prospect is not going to be punished. That the firm will will allow you sufficient time to engage in, in in BD activity and it will allow you the time for that activity to pay off. Yeah. Now these are you know it's easy for me to stay here and say this when you know managing partner would say to me, well, you know, these are very expensive people and they need to pay their way and you know, yes they do. Uh, but there's got to be a sensible balance between what's happened, you know, what's built in the here and now, and uh, what and what activity will ensure the firm's got a flow of work well into the future. You know, to kind of sort of really, uh, you know, corny cliche: if you don't if you don't sow the seeds, you don't get the you don't get the fruit. It's a really and I know we could talk about a range of other things, but I think um, that one is extremely important. And I know you're very keen on culture, but it's having a, a growth mindset and an understanding, as you say, that if you're spending your whole time doing on the tools, then you can't be spending time out building relationships. And that's really what's going to give the business the strength and the resource to grow. And and do you, yeah. do you have... Do you have a benchmark, for example, in terms of how much time you th- you believe should be spent on BD by the appropriate partners or staff within a firm in order to return success? I've never I've never thought of it in terms of percentage. What I would say is that if you're committed to developing your practice, that you know how hard it is to say it, normal office hours don't apply. You know, that to to a degree, you've got to put your body on the line. You know, I spent, you know, I wasn't wasn't on the tools, but nevertheless, I spent, you know, vast amounts of time 
um, on on trains and boats and planes and going to strange, you know, going to places far and wide and coming back, you know, very late at night and and uh, and, and very early mornings and uh, seven days a week, and that went on for that that went on for a very long time, uh, and I don't necessarily recommend it. Uh, if it's not what if it's not what you feel you want to do, but I think I think it's a truism that if you want to if you want to be a serious developer of work in professional services, that 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 if you take the time required to actually think about what you're going to do and put it all together and then implement it, that's a that that's a big task, and I would. And I don't think it can be done when you. I don't think it can be rammed into a small space between the last telephone call and the next email during during the course of a working day. I think it. I think you need to create time and space to think about what you're going to do. Uh, I also think you need good support. You know, firm uh, lawyers are. In the in the end, the service has got to be sold by the lawyers because. They're providing it. They're providing the service. We're unusual in this respect. Um, you know, if you if you were to, you know, look at many other sectors of of commerce and industry, there's a manufacturing team, and there's an administrative team, and there's a sales team, uh, and they've all got dedicated tasks, and hopefully they all knit together. Um, you know, lawyers who have got ambitions to build their practice have got to be. You know, on this, you know, have got have got to juggle this uh, uh, dilemma of finding the time to to build the work that they they need to do to continue to perform as the firm expects, and also to make the time to uh, develop new work, and that and that means that significant amounts of what might otherwise be private time or leisure time gets eaten into and. You have to kind of make that bargain with yourself um, if you're going to if you're going to do it properly. Sorry, I've just been distracted. My dog. I don't criticize people who I don't. Incidentally, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't criticize uh, people who say, "Do you know what? I'm not doing that." You know, that's a that's a perfectly reasonable thing for somebody to say, but they have to accept then accept the consequences of the limitations that might place on them. I think everybody's got a choice to make, and particularly now in the post-pandemic working arena it's more difficult I think for younger people to understand I think that maybe the sacrifices that somebody like you would have made in terms of family life in order to grow your firm but to, re to reap the rewards that you have now but um, but at the same token maybe there's some opportunity around growing an understanding that there are certain people who become lawyers who actually are very keen to go out and build relationships and talk and are able to demonstrate sufficient expertise that they can talk about it and gain trust and authority without ultimately being the one that's actually going to deliver the service. Yeah, uh, that's that's that, that was the case with me, and I think it's the, it's the I think it's the case with with I, I'm certainly come across that a lot. Uh, pe people people clients are intelligent; they understand that. People, the different people in a law firm have different functions, uh, and 
they and they don't expect necessarily the most senior people to always do their work. And you know, fundamentally, they don't want to pay for it either unless it really merits it. Yeah, and I think because um, I think we could talk because there's so much, Stephen. You've got so much knowledge. Um, but to be concise on this matter, it's really some key aspects of success are one knowing knowing your market, knowing where you play, as you described it. Relationships. I think building there's, the, there's a there's a, there's a I, I, you might think this is odd for, to recommend the, um, the former CEO of of Procter and Gamble, a man called uh, A. G. Laffley. Uh, wrote a book called Playing to Win with a um, with uh, academic and consultant uh, Roger Martin, and it was basically the story of Procter and Gamble, and and he and it was it was them who came up with the the the, the two key que- this expression of the two key questions: where do we play and how do we win? And there are subsidiary questions which, once you've decided that. There are subsidiary questions such as what resources do we need to achieve our ambitions? What systems do we have to have in place? What constraints do we have, and how do we and how do we overcome them? Um, and the success of P and G under his uh, um, management and leadership. Uh, was because of the, you know, they 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 identified these questions and then successfully went about answering them. And so, well, I'll definitely buy that and I'll read that. But just to bring that back, so these top two areas, but really, you need to build the relationships and need to provide time and understanding and a culture within the practice that supports the importance of business development versus. Yeah, technical activity, and that you are able to ensure that once the business is in, that the service is developed to such an extent that it satisfies the client. It, as you say, it doesn't need yeah. to be the best service in the world. It just has to meet the requirements. Yeah, um, which might be very high. You know, it's yeah. not. In any, it's not in any way. It's, I'm not in any way. You know, minimizing the the need to. You know, well, good enough technically. What what I'm saying is that clients are not really able to and are not really interested in comparing the absolute technical uh, expertise of one firm as against another. What they what they are concerned to be happy about is that their lawyers are are good enough. Yeah. Have got the have got the have got the skills. After that, I I was given a statistic a long time ago, and, and I can't give you a, a an impeachable source for its correctness, but it sounds right to me that that as human beings we make eighty four percent of our uh, decisions emotionally and sixteen percent analytically. Uh, and as I say, I can't prove that to you. Maybe maybe there may, there may be a source. But it feel that feels right to me. Uh, that you know, I've, I, I, I've presented at innumerable tenders, and I've helped clients on in tender exercises as well. And of course, in a tender, there's a spreadsheet with all sorts of criteria on it, and 
which are, you know, meticulously gone through and ticked off. But underneath it all, the clients are asking, you know, uh, can I bear to be stuck in a lift with this guy for an hour? Okay. Do I, how, 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 how much, how much do I, how much do I really, you know, relate? Um, there's a, a great, there's a, there's a book, if people are listening to this, there's a really good book called Perfect Pitch by a man called John Steele. You read Perfect Pitch? Yeah. So, well, you'll know the story that, uh, um, that he was asked, he was asked to, be part of uh, a panel. Uh, uh, Apple was a client of his, and Apple were uh, tendering for a certain service, and he was asked to be on their procurement panel. And he said that the, the one they set aside a day. There was a bunch of providers to come in and pitch to them, and every single one had banks of slides and elaborate promises and you know bells and whistles. And he said. We got to the end of the day with one to go, and they said uh, he, th he felt the only the only thing that would be better than the day he had was a heart attack. Uh, and the last person came in who was, and it wasn't whereas everybody else had sent in teams of high powered people, this one man carrying a, a, a small briefcase, he came in and sat down and said, "Look." There are some things in what you're asking which we definitely can't provide, but there are some things which we can, and we're really good at it. Now, do you think we could have a conversation? I haven't brought any slides with me. Can we just talk? And Steele says in the book, he says, we could have kissed him. You know, uh, I, he, you know he walked away with a huge amount of work. I mean, I, 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 and so... Because because he because he had the emotional intelligence to understand what it took to connect at a human level, and was able in that and having done that was able to demonstrate that he knew what he was doing. You're still doing you're still doing work with law firms, yeah. So, assuming <laughs> someone listens to this, who who where can people find you? <laughs> Uh, I, have a, I, have a, I have a website developed by an excellent technology company. Yeah. Uh, so that's, is it stephengold.co.uk? Uh, so I, stephengold.co.uk, yeah. And you can um, find you on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I live in London now, um, but I still travel a bit for uh, for work outside London. So, so, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Stephen. That was brilliant. I think we could probably cover feel like we've only just scratched the surface but um, I'm, I'm also hoping and I think that we've got some very key lessons there particularly around the time spent doing business development we could go into the others around okay. strategy culture etc in the future but I think that one is really really important for firms to understand so thank you very very much you're welcome good to see you and you cheers speak to you later bye all best bye, bye now so thanks very much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're enjoying our content. We'd be delighted to hear any feedback that you have. You can find out more about the Your Law Firm Success podcast at mltdigital.co.uk forward slash podcast. Please subscribe. Please share with your friends. Please share with anyone who you know that you think would be interested.